So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. Hey, Chris. Hey, Liz. Welcome. Been a hot minute. It's, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it has been. It really has been. Life has really been happening for both of us and, you know, <laughs> the nation and the world and probably the different dimensions that are most likely out there. Even science is like. There are probably other dimensions. I'm really banking on it because I'm done with this one. I'm pretty, I'm pretty committed to trying hard not to listen too much to quantum physics because I don't, I don't really like where that's going. And I feel like at some point <laughs> they're really? going to be telling me some stuff I'm really not okay with. So I'm not, I'm not down that road right now. But uh, I, I think I feel that like... takes me out of this planet. I'm like. <laughs> This is, you know, let's just jump right into the weird stuff for today. But like I was reading about the Mandela effect and how like the theory behind this is somehow that um, every time you die in one reality, like you don't remember it, you just get transferred immediately to another. And that's why stuff is different than you remember. And collectively enough people sort of randomly die and get transferred to the same reality that people are like, I remember the Pillsbury Doughboy had a bow and he didn't. I don't know. It's like one of, I can't remember if that's exactly one of them, but that's why that I don't like read too much quantum fun. physics. Cause no, <laughs> cause no, I yeah, don't want to know why that, that happened. my brain a little. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry. I put that in there. I mean, no, we're supposed to know. talk about workouts. Today. Workouts. Today and we're talking about workouts and what works out for you. Oh, oh, Liz has had some time off to come up with some amazing, amazing things. Oh my God. I've had no time <laughs> off at all. Right. Um, you and me both. <laughs> I guess kind of the weekend, but I feel like I just spent the entire weekend tormenting myself with oh. this existential crisis. So there's that. Crises. Uh, <laughs> crises. Sorry. The English um, teacher yeah, me kind of was like... Existential crises. <laughs> I was so focused on the first word because it's really it's, hard for me to say yeah. that I wasn't thinking about the second word. That was definitely the so. most important thing about what you said too. Is you know <laughs> not the fact that you're having existential crises all weekend. No, that you, you do need exactly, to get that plural correct. You do exactly what Trisha does, my sister. Where it's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm thinking about like I really just hate this world and I just don't feel anything anymore. And then she'll just correct my English, and I'm like. <laughs> Uh, I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It was in jest, really. Obviously, that's not good. And, you know, it's a whole other podcast worth of talking. But one of the reasons we wanted to talk about workouts today is because it's about that time of year where everybody's tried all the things they're willing to try in the beginning of January. And now they're looking at the rest of the year going, okay, now what? Now what? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, have you ever have you ever had the experience of being like I'm going to do this workout and then you come up with the whole workout regime and about a week or two later you're like I absolutely hate this and dread every single workout 
you know, I'm going to say that's not a sustainable model. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good place to start. I mean, it, like, ironically, I'm though. People love to jog. They're like, I'm going to get into, they don't actually love to jog, but I'm going to get into jogging because jogging seems to be like, well, that's what fit people do. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting when we start looking at this stuff, just how much, you know, pops up around the narrative of specific activities like, oh, jogging is good for you, right? That's a thing. And CrossFit is good for you and biking is good for you and tomatoes and broccoli. And like now we can go down this rabbit hole, right? But what I think is is a good place to start with this today is this idea that we know that making these elaborate plans doesn't pan out long term and yet we still do it. So why do we still do it, right? Like what is going on there that like, okay, this time is different is the thing we say to ourselves, like literally every time. And you know, nobody's exempt from this. I don't think. Because social (laughs) media keeps saying this social media every day. I'll see like a new profile. That's just like, you know, I decided to start yoga for 30 days and then it turned into three years and look at my before and after. And we keep seeing this and it is so prevalent all over social media. And I'm not going to sit here Mm. and say like every single one of those profiles is absolute bullshit. That's not true. Sometimes this does like, you know, happen and people are just really, really fed up and they actually are able to get into this um, long-term journey. But you know, you're not seeing all the ups and downs of that. You're just seeing like, here I am before. And then here I am like 50 pounds lighter doing like a headstand. Everyone, why is everyone doing a freaking headstand? Is everyone just doing like, a headstand right now? I don't know if you realize, but like the greatest thing you can do in your life to show and to show everyone that you're fit and in shape is to do a headstand. I, I mean, can do a headstand. I have to, <laughs> I have to like full disclosure, but like my Facebook profile picture is me still doing... <laughs> and it's so old now like it's so not representative of my current capacity so I feel a little called out right now Liz this not wasn't lie. about you this Wait, is I know it's not about someone I follow who it's I pretty ironic love. though I love I love them and they actually put out really really good content but she's always like here's a, here's images and videos of me doing handstands She's really deep into calisthenics. Does she also put captions underneath it around things like change your perspective? No, thank God. Okay, good. (laughs) She's British. She's British. So I don't know. I have a weird extra respect for her being British. Yeah. My husband and I talk about this all the time because he doesn't recognize (laughs) that he gets this privilege in America. He's always like, whatever. People think what I say is whatever. I'm like, no. (laughs) Every time you open your mouth, you're like, what wisdom you know and honestly he can say literally anything sometimes to people and we've tried it before like you know in party contexts it's just like hey let's try to sell like this thing the tonight you know <laughs> of like oh did you know that on the moon there's like I don't know there's snowballs and people are like what and you know he also is a rocket engineer and so if he said something like that with a British accent it's game over for people yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there, right? Because we kind of started talking about like workout plans and like things you see that tell you you should be overhauling your into- entire life and, and, and existence and being better all the time. And then there's things like there's these people that we feel are credible sources when honestly, maybe what they're saying doesn't apply to us specifically. It may apply to somebody else, but not necessarily for us at this time. Because I think these big transformations that you see are often, you know, the these things happen. It's not that that's impossible, mm-hmm. but the, the, the factors that need to line up 
for those people to make that transformation happen are pretty significant, Mm. right? Because it takes a lot of effort and energy and focus over a long period of time on this specific aspect of your life to to realize that. Being able to realize that a little bit better (laughs) still is progress because it's really hard. I'm trying to start a meditation routine. Even though I grew up with meditation, literally just like every single day, my dad was like, meditation is the most important thing. (laughs) And I'm still like, I just got to do five minutes. and I'm still struggling (laughs) so hard because I'm like, it's not going to matter. There are other things I have to do that are more important. Right. And that may very well be the case. Like that, and we've talked about this a really long time ago, I think in another episode about this idea of like our priorities and values, they're always Mm going to win. They're going to trump any intention that we have. So it's like, even though that's an external priority, that's a family priority, right? He's been telling you for a long time, this is something you should do. You don't own that and you don't see enough value in it to affect any kind of actionable or consistent action on it. (laughs) And that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but it can leave you with guilt and shame, Mm -hmm. which we know are not your friends, right? And they don't, they're not, they don't help you make (laughs) change typically, right? Not by how much you use them. Right. So let's bring it back around to talking about how do you go about building a workout plan that is going to work for you? And I think we can't get there without talking about willpower and motivation. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I think I kind of want to ask you, like, what do you think the difference between willpower and motivation is? I feel like I should be brilliant. I've been working with you so long. I should be like, well, this is the difference. (laughs) So, okay. At one point, I feel like I learned that willpower was finite. You can only, you only have so many shits to give in a day. But then I think there was some sciencey stuff that came out that said, actually, it's not. So I'm very confused. So I honestly don't know. So willpower versus motivation. Willpower, I guess, like the images that pop into my head, willpower is like white knuckling. Like I will not do this or I will push myself to do this. It does not feel at all natural. It just feels like something you really have to shove yourself into. Mm-hmm. And motivation feels like has more of this positive connotation like I feel like I want to change my life today so I'm going to go on a hike (laughs) I think that's pretty good I mean and (laughs) you actually brought up the thing that I was going to talk about because I'm glad you remember us talking about it before because it's what actually happened was there was a belief that that willpower was finite Right. And it was like, that's what the studies were were based off of. And then they kind of did a different one and they figured out that it wasn't whether or not willpower is finite or infinite. It's what you believed to be true. And that the Mm -hmm. belief of either of those things dictated the reality. And so what that actually gives us is more of a window into how your brain actually works to sort of help you and control, not control, that's not the right right word, but like it sort of makes decisions about behaviors that are beneficial versus not beneficial by generating belief systems, right? So are you saying you create your own reality? mm, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about quantum physics. (laughs) Damn it. If perspective is everything, perspective is everything and you create your, your own reality with your own thoughts, like, ooh, I mean, let's, let's back it up half a step to something I'm actually capable of talking about because really like I'm joking about the quantum physics shit, but like, 
I don't really know that much about it. So it's, but it is this idea that the belief systems that you have anchor all of your decisions, right? Because how do you make a decision if you don't have an idea of right or wrong or an idea of good or bad or any of these things this is why we have these polarizing positions, right? Because mm. we need to make decisions. Our brain wants to optimize those decisions all the time for our survival and our well-being. Yeah. Right? And, I, and probably safety is a better word to use than well-being there. But like that's that's the goal of your body yeah. and your brain is like survive long enough to make new people, make sure the new people survive peace out, you're good. <laughs> and most I don't think we're doing a good job way. as a human race. I'm just going to say it. We've <laughs> been talking about that. But also, like, if we understand that these belief systems are not only plastic, like, they don't have to stay the same way, but that we get to decide what they are next, that's a huge amount of power that we gain. Well, within our societal constraints and our interpersonal constraints, I mean, there's a lot of constraints. There's a Are lot. there? Yeah. Or do you just believe there to be? And I think that's where this gets like, you know, back to metaphysical again, like, oh, do you construct your reality or does your reality construct you? We could do that, mm -hmm. right? And people are like, come on, you guys, we were going to talk about making a workout plan. <laughs> people are like, can you just? just yeah, we can. <laughs> but it's really important to understand that whether you're relying on willpower, like white knuckling it through, I think is a great example of, of how to sort of talk about that. Or you're relying on motivation, which again is, it's not that it's finite, but it's temporary. Like nobody is mm. motivated and super excited about doing something every day, all day for the rest of their lives. That's not Only how motivation works. I watch works. the Rocky montage. I used to use that a lot. <laughs> but it's, temp I mean, unless you watch it all the time. And if you watched it every all day, the time, it would have diminished. Desensitized. Yeah. So, when we think about like, I'm going to start this new routine, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to be consistent, all these things, we're banking on the wrong feelings and, and belief systems, right? So what we really want to do is we want to find something that we're confident we can do today, that we're confident we can do tomorrow, that we more or less already know how to do, that isn't going to require a ton of brand new skills right away. Mm. Unless you have the time and energy to devote to that. And if you do, mm. awesome, nail it, go learn new shit, get it done and get it done while you have the time because there's no guarantee you're going to keep having that time. Mm. Yeah. Well, I so, want to, oh, can I say go. something that just popped into my, because this has been like the bane of my existence, um, has been like, well, why do anything if I don't feel like I can for sure commit to this? And I just feel like there's no point if I'm not going to make this a routine. If I, you know, that that's what keeps popping in my head, you know, like, why am I going to just do it one off? Especially well, what defines a routine? What defines a routine? Cause I was actually, so I'm wearing this fabulous yellow shirt today, not because I think this is a nice color, but because I managed to get out of my bike today because it's 60 degrees in Colorado in February. And I was determined I was going to get pretty, out of my bike. Yeah. It's actually pretty warm. Um, not bad. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day to do it. Uh, and so like when we, I was out on this ride and about halfway through, like it's a new bike. So my position isn't perfect. And so like my shoulder was starting to ache and my ass really hurt. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, ah. Am I ever going to do this again? And I was thinking a lot about this topic, right? Like, how do you get to a place where you're willing to kind of put up with some of that discomfort, the uncertainty that you might never do it again, and whatever. And I, I caught myself in a pattern that I've learned over time when it comes to keeping myself 
um, doing difficult things. And it's this idea of like, okay, if this is the only ride you do this year, like this entire year, then it's a success because it's one more ride than somebody else who doesn't have a bike did. Hmm. And so it's really about how you're framing the successes versus the failures. Right? If you're, hmm. if you're always looking at the failures, if you're always looking at your inconsistencies, then you can't see the things you're really consistent at. So if I only ride that bike three times this year, that's three more road rides than I've ever done in my life. Mm. I probably won't do that. I'll probably do more rides than that. But rather than getting hung up on how inconsistent you are, like I'm going to ride every day and then getting upset with yourself for not doing that. It's like, hey, I'm going to take this bike out whenever it's sunny and I can do it. Mm. So how you set your fitness workout routines up has a huge impact on how well you stay consistent with them and what you believe consistency is has a huge impact on your self-efficacy. Like how confident are you that you can continue to do this? How confident are you that this is a thing that's going to be part of your life, right? Like, mm. and you gain that self-efficacy by doing the thing. So I'm, I'm going to keep talking for a second about this bike ride because it's a brand new bike. I've been on one other ride on this bike. It was a disaster. My, all of my I don't know how much anybody cares about what, how bikes work on here, but like both of my derailers were wicked misaligned, which meant every time I tried to shift my bike, something bad happened. <laughs> I was on a 30 mile ride with a group and I'm flipping my bike over halfway, like within, I think I flipped my bike like three times to put my chain back on because I could, one of my derailers just wouldn't shift at all. And then my rear one was so misaligned. It was, the chain was just jumping everywhere. Is this a so new bike this ride. or are you? It's brand bike? new. It's brand new, but pandemic people don't pay as much attention to assembling things I think as they used to so I jumped out and went on this ride and my bike was not up to it right so I'm kind of like I'm feeling guilty and I'm feeling like I shouldn't be on this ride and I'm feeling all of these things literally nobody on the ride said anything to me one of the ladies was super kind and like waited for me because she kept seeing that I was having issues with my bike she wasn't upset. She didn't feel annoyed or, you know, anything that I was having issues. I warned everybody when I got there, this bike is new. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here. Okay. I've not ridden it longer than like two miles. Yeah. So we're going to see what we get. But if I had taken that experience and decided it was a failure, how likely would I have been to ever go out on that bike again? Very unlikely. Very unlikely. So yeah. it's a thousand percent of how well, you are consistent with something depends on how you talk to yourself about the things that you do already. You can't build self-efficacy if every time you do a thing, you decide you suck. Oh, whoops. Well, I've been doing things wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> I have a real talent for, I know you've called me out on it numerous times, a real talent for just like being like, well, here are the things that are going wrong. I have this very editor type personality. Well, like, let's completely ignore all the good things. And I'm just going to circle in a red marker with a red marker, you know, everything that needs improving. Which if you, again, if we shift the lens, right, you can decide that that's because you are a terrible person and you did all terrible of those person. things, but you learned that somewhere. You learned that somewhere. So if you look at your immediate family and you look at your school experience and you look at your environment and your society and those values and you back up a few like mm. lenses, 
that's how we've been treating progress for a really long time as a society. We don't tell you what you did well. We tell you where you suck and what you need to do to be better. You go to a performance review at work. What do they tell you? They tell you how awesome you are. Starting to shift a little bit. We're starting to get more of that. I actually have like a good person at work who is like, here's what you do great, you know, and then, and it's amazing having that kind of feedback because you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not complete piece of shit. That's great. That's great to know. It's like weird. Like it's so much more helpful when people, but you go into like, I can pretty much guarantee that anybody listening and both of us included, if somebody told you you had to go to your manager's office spontaneously is that going to be for them to give you positive feedback no it's like cold sweats (laughs) right what did I do you start going through your head what did I do what did I do what did I do (laughs) right so the assumption is success yeah and failure gets called out versus the assumption being failure because I'm learning and success getting called out because I've achieved learning Mm. which is a completely different model than the one we've been using yeah. And so when you realize that, that that programming isn't your fault, it might end up being your responsibility because you have to change it. And that's a very awesome Will Smith quote, right? Just because something happens to you doesn't make it your fault, but it is your responsibility to deal with it. So once you can see it, like that. once you can see it and you're like, oh yeah, that's where that comes from. Then you get the opportunity again, this belief system thing, whether willpower is finite, you get the opportunity to decide that it's not true anymore. And to decide to do it differently. So if you want to start a workout program or whatever, or any kind of exercise or increasing your movement or however you want to phrase that, you've got to start with something you know you can do right now or something you're willing to put the effort into. Like if you want to start biking and you don't own a bike, you've got to go do the footwork of getting a bike. And in Mm -hmm. the meantime, while you're achieving that thing, you can't beat yourself up for not biking. That's crazy, right? (laughs) Yet we do it because we set up this false expectation about how things are going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So you start with what you can do. So maybe you don't have a bike right now and you want to be a biker. And so you you order a bike. And right now I double dog dare anybody in most of the country to get a bike in the next three weeks. (laughs) You got three weeks you're looking at. This is why people do jogging. This is why people start jogging. You could just go out. Because you can just go out. Because like walking, there's so many pleasurable things to do while walking, like listening to audiobooks. Yes. Podcasts like this one. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) But it's about framing how you approach this, right? Because Mm -hmm. if, if your only version of workout is going to a gym, sweating, feeling like you're gonna throw up. And coming home sore and feeling like somebody shouted at you until you did a good job, then if you can't achieve that immediately, you feel like a failure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not functional, right? That doesn't get you to do more exercise. That just makes you feel like crap. Yeah. So when you're looking to build a new routine, whether it's fitness or food or any other thing in your life, like what can you affect right now? And then do that thing. And then see how you can build on it. Yeah. So let's put it to practical use. Liz, you've already got a workout routine. Yeah. (laughs) But let's talk about how you built it. Yeah. So my initial, I was doing pretty well because I was working out with you when I was still in LA and that was working really well for me. 
and then the pandemic hit and then you started doing Les Mills workout and then got me to do them. I I still like, I want to love Les Mills workout, but I cannot stand the music choices. I hate it. I sound like, it sounds like you're in a club and I hate clubs. <laughs> and so funny are you, you say that. Yoga? They have like yoga club. I'm like, no, this is yoga. I want to hear like something really peaceful and relaxing. (laughs) I want to like it because all their trainers just look so jacked and it's like, you want to be jacked. So I wanted to like it so badly, but um, it just, I guess it wasn't the right thing for me at the right, at that, at this particular time, you know, and then I just felt like my getting more and more inconsistent, you know, once, uh, with the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And then I moved to North Carolina and I started hiking. And then hiking was what I was doing. And you helped me kind of take my small steps into that because I'm not used to hiking out here. And I was definitely afraid of ticks. <laughs> That's literally what like paused me from hiking for a long time because I'm like, I'm really scared I'm going to get a tick and then get Lyme disease, <laughs> which is, you know, valid. Um, but not to the point I think I was freaking out about it. And so then I started doing that and I was very, very consistent with that. And then I was like, you know, I really do miss weightlifting. And then I kind of just built on top. So I think the most important thing that you taught me was like, well, what are you already doing? And then just do a little better instead Mm -hmm. of like, it was very tempting. I've tried to do this many times, like mentally, but then I stopped myself. It's like, you know what? Nope. Throw away everything you're doing. We're going to rehaul. We're going to just like, overhaul everything and have this new workout and you're just gonna be so much more badass and it's gonna be so much more intense because we're done with this more badass right yeah more badass we're gonna we're gonna do away with these like pleasurable hikes you know come on these are the real workout um so yeah I stopped myself many times from doing that and I just looked at what I'm doing and what I'm actually consistent at, which probably means that there's some part of me that likes it very, very much. And that might be a key that I want to keep in my workout mm-hmm. routine. Um, and then I just built on it from there. And um, I've just recently actually built in a rest day because I'd find myself at the end of the week being like, I didn't, I'm missing like, you know, I'm missing X amount of miles I wanted to do. And then I would just hit, go into Monday and then try to double up my workout only to just have the cycle keep repeating itself. It happened like almost all the time. Yeah. So I'm like, I just, I just need a rest day. What the hell? And my rest day could be like my makeup day if I need to like, if I want to make up something, you know, but I need to have like a day where I'm not, you know, having this structured workout like I have to do. So Yeah finding what you can be consistent at and then just building on that a little bit at a time. And I think that the thing that comes along with that, that's really important for anybody who wants to either get started or get back into interest into exercising in a structured way is that like, you have to start where you're at. You can't worry about what you used to be able to do or what you Mm -hmm. think you should be able to do. Both of those things are not now, but one of those is in the past and one of those is in the future. And if you hang yourself up on either of those, those places, you can't take action now, right? It prevents you from doing it. And, you know, we're sitting here as two very different types of exercisers, right? And I think that's the secondary part is like, if you don't enjoy doing it, don't. 
right? The only caveat to that is if you're doing zero movement at all, you have to find something and you have to get started because you are a perpetual motion machine that is very unhappy about being still. Yeah. So, okay, that's the one exception to that rule. But the other the other 99% of people, like it's definitely, if you don't enjoy doing it, you won't continue doing it. And you don't have to be enjoying it at the time. Like I didn't yeah. enjoy a lot of that ride today. Okay, mm-hmm. like- but I rode through beautiful places. I think I saw like a hundred horses. It was awesome. And it was like, Oh God. And the mountains were there and it was sunny and there's all these things, but my ass hurt and my shoulder was unhappy. And I was like, I'd really like to not be sitting on this device at this moment, but this is beautiful. And now that I'm done with it, I can say, I'm really glad I'm, I did it. Yeah. I'm not saying it has to be fun, like active fun all the time, but you have to find some enjoyment in the thing in the first place or it's never going to stick. Yeah. Just like eating. If I tell you the only vegetable you can eat is broccoli and you hate broccoli, how long are you going to do that for? No. Probably no. not long enough, right? It's like, God, I've tried to like convince myself, no, jogging. You can do like jogging, jogging. <laughs> and then every time I do, I like to do short little sprints. I think those are fun. Mm-hmm. But like just a consistent jog. But what if you started allowing yourself to just consistently sprint and be like, oh, yeah, sprinting because it feels great and you feel you feel like free and wonderful and super fast, right? And then that led to like, maybe I'll just run a little longer because this still feels good. Yeah. The, the, the power of that positive momentum is so much more than the power of telling yourself how much you suck. Yeah. I mean, I got past a lot today on my bike. This is a biker haven, right? Like literally races go by my house weekly (laughs) and I've not been riding a lot because I've had two surgeries and I didn't have a bike that was suitable for this terrain. I have a mountain bike, right? So Boulder is like the most fit area in all of the U S I think you want to feel bad about yourself, get on a bicycle and go on a road here. Like, you know, unless you are already (laughs) extremely fit, like it sounds like somebody's coming screaming by you. (laughs) No offense, no offense to Boulder because it seems like incredibly beautiful and awesome, but it sounds a little insufferable. Like when it comes to outdoorsy people, even though I love outdoors, it sounds a little like, but the thing it's got going for it, I think that uh, I'm really enjoying and is so different to LA. Because when you think about those people in LA, because we both lived in LA, right? Oh. They were kind of elitist and very clicky. And, you know, you were either in or out. And I've yeah. just not had that experience here at all. Like oh, every great. time I've showed that's up awesome. to a place where people were capable of outperforming me, at least at this time, because obviously hmm, that bugs me right now. But... <laughs> I'm not the best athlete in the world by any stretch, but having to show up to a room full of people who outperform me at every turn is its own kind of, you know, test, not tests, mm. like, um, challenge. Mm. It's its own kind of challenge for me because I'm, yeah. I'm used to being reasonably fit and I'm just not right now. And I gotta be okay with that. But those people have never, I have never, ever experienced any shaming and I have witnessed that happen so many times in the LA fitness world. Yeah. Or condescension. I've not had anybody be condescending to me. Oh my God. When people go, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. I mean, you know, <laughs> good job. There's good oh, people and douchebags like everywhere. Looks like this must be your first gym workout. Good job for you. You should keep oh, going. Keep it going. did already happen. I lied. I was on that group ride where I was having trouble with that bike and we were uh-huh. all riding and there was some dude on a bike who was like, yay, ladies. And we were all like, 
So it has happened, but not in a group I was actively in. So I can't control that. In his head, he was probably like, I'm just encouraging women. And it's not (laughs) great how women can also do things. Right. It's like, read the room, bro. Like it's 50% of the women or 50% of the bikers who are out here right now are women. Like it's not time to applaud us for showing up anymore. Like you want to compliment somebody, compliment the girl at the front of the thing because she's going the fastest. Like, don't just compliment us for breathing. Come on. Like, Good job. It was, lady it was one of those moments, right? <laughs> lady muscles. That's funny. Oh, but I, and you know, I could rave about Boulder for a lot longer, but I'm not going to. It's that's not the point. The point is that no matter what my actual fitness level is, if if I'm not competing with those other people or judging myself or giving myself a value based on those other people then I can just show up and do the thing that makes me happy. Mm. That is hard. We're social animals. It's challenging. I hate, like, (laughs) I, to be honest, like, I I freaking, I, I do love working out alone, but I also don't know if I love working out alone because I'm very uncomfortable with other people seeing me physically struggle because I feel like they're going to say something. And um, I was, I did this hike a while back with some people and the guy, like we were walking uphill and I was talking, but I was breathing hard and he was like, are you okay? You know? And I was like, is that a comment that you think I'm really struggling and I can't handle walking up a hill? Like it was very, I still think about that when I walk up that hill. I remember like, remember that one time he was judging you. He thought that you really need to get in better shape. But I'm going to share one of mine because <laughs> I was 38 weeks pregnant and I was hiking in the snow in the Czech Republic with my husband. And it was, I had sticks and I was safe and it was fine, but I also couldn't wear my own ski jacket. So I was, <laughs> I was wearing my husband's ski jacket, which does not have like, it's a man's cut, right? So it's just yeah. a big straight line and it went around my belly. So Yay. And I was struggling up this hill because like 38 weeks pregnant, I had gained a significant amount of weight. And I can remember like at least three people making a comment to me about like, oh, it'll get easier because the assumption was not that I was pregnant. It was that I was overweight and struggling up the hill and unfit. And I remember that really marking me because I I thought that's such an unfair set of assumptions by a random stranger. And so what what it tells you is that, really you can't take anybody else's commentary or opinion to heart because they don't know shit about you. Yeah. Is it also unreasonable to breathe heavily while walking up (laughs) a hiking hill? Like, is that an unreasonable thing? It's not like I was falling on the ground and dragging myself up. No, and I wasn't (laughs) crying or anything. Like, please make it stop or begging my husband to turn around. It was just, it's other people, sometimes when they feel like they're being supportive, they just make they're mistakes. Just no, they just make mistakes. I'm sorry. I don't understand. Yes, they're just making mistakes. So it's it's kind of like you have to, this is where self-confidence comes from the doing the thing, right? So if you're building your efficacy, right, or your efficiency at doing something, then you sort of build that internal buffer against other people's comments at the same time because you know what you've done. They don't know what you've done or what you can do or what you want to do. Even they don't know that. And the more examples of you getting something done yourself that you have for yourself, the less those commentaries matter from other people because you have the confidence Mm -hmm. to overcome it. (laughs) 
I may not even cut that. <laughs> That's my daughter coming home. It. If anybody wants to know, right? You're like going to have to go find it, it. And then find you doing this. And we'll see. Well, we discussed it before we started recording. So if you want to cut it, you can. But like. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Um, so. Yeah. There's a lot. The buried. But this is, I think the reason we're discussing this the way that we are is because, again, like I said at the beginning, it's this time of year where you may feel like you have failed at something. Mm. But if I took 20 Januaries, right, and you tried 20 different things for that four weeks of that month, you did different things. So it shows you that you're capable of changing, right? But it also shows you that maybe you're going about changing that thing in a way that's not sustainable. So rather than deciding yeah. you suck at change and you can't do it, say, okay, well, I was able to do this for this period of time. How small do I have to make that to keep doing it for longer? I love that. How small do I have to make that to keep doing it for longer? Like get really into it. Like, well, what's the, that's what really helped me get back into weightlifting. Cause you just said offhandedly, it's amazing how these like there's like little offhanded things can like make all the difference. Was it you, offhanded? Was it? No. Well, I think you said you said something about like you could just train like one body part, you know, one body part like one day a week or something, and you're not gonna see like tremendous gains, but you can like do that. And I was like, I could do that. And I remember when I was just you know, I was doing my hiking, but I was just trying to get back into weightlifting since I'm like, this kind of sucks. So I'm grateful that we have weights and Andrew's acquired quite a bunch um, and a weight bench and everything. But I was like, God, this is really awkward just to like go in my room and like lift weights. It just feels off and strange and not very motivating. Um, you didn't enjoy I was it. Like, yeah, it's it just felt oh. so it still feels kind of oh. Um, I don't push it. It's it's amazing. I don't feel like when I would go to the gym, I would be there for like at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and it would be very comfortable to stay there. And now at home, I'm like I can do at the most, at the very most, I do about forty minutes of weightlifting. Maybe it's more concentrated than it was at the gym. I don't know because I don't have any distractions or anyone getting in my way. I don't know. But uh, basically, I remember just like laying in bed and be like, I don't want to do this. But I'm like, just go do your biceps, your biceps and your triceps. I think I would start with that. I'm like, you can do some biceps and triceps. And I'm like, yeah, five minutes, like you just spend five minutes. And that was so after like X amount of weeks doing that, I was like, Oh, my God, this is really easy. Because it's so little, I'm just starting with this little bit. And it was super flexible too, because, you know, I also had my hiking. So it wasn't like this one workout. And if you don't do this one workout, you suck. You know, um, I, I try to incorporate yoga into my work, my weekly workout routine. And for some reason, that seems to be the one I'm most resistant against. Like hiking, fine, weightlifting, fine. But yoga, I seem to have some sort of resistance for, I guess, anything kind of quiet, like meditation. Yoga. I was going to say, <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> we've been doing this a long time now, Liz, and you were like, wait, wait, I, I have made a connection. And but I, I think grew up this with is, so much meditation and yoga. It could also be that. Like, it can be. I mean, I find it really hard to cook. It's funny because um, 
I grew up with really excellent chefs in my family and restaurant work and really high quality food all around me all the time. And as an adult now, like I do not feel compelled to ever cook like that at home. And Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, we did this event for my daughter. She's really into cooking. And um, one of her Christmas presents was a gift from my, my mom who paid for a chef we know to come to the house and cook a meal with her. And she made the menu herself and she did all the things. And I mean, I had a little input into it, but really it was her and this chef and it was excellent. She did, um, what was it? It was uh, chili fig and chili glazed lamb chops oh. with pea and mushroom risotto. And then the guy that came and did it um, added a deconstructed ketchup. So he roasted some, um, tomatoes in the oven and turned it into like wow. this sort of sauce. It was bomb. It looked bomb. It tasted mm-hmm. bomb. It was plated well. All of these things, right? And I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is food, and it's for me very normal. Yeah. But I also have a husband who doesn't really care about food, and so me putting that kind of food together for him, he gives zero shits about it, right? Like I could put that together and be like, yeah, that's nice. So I don't. And he said something the other night that I was like. He said, well, that meal that Layla cooked with Lucas was like, you know, that was really even at the edge of mommy's skills. And I was like, oh, mm." (laughs) no. (laughs) And it's not, it's not that it was not a highly skilled meal, but it's not the edge of my skills. I don't want to do it because I've had a lifetime of it. Mm -hmm. And that's, Mm -hmm. again, somebody else's assumption about the situation right? Doesn't dictate my reality. That's not, you want me to make that meal again right now? I can do that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. And so if you've had a lifetime of something like that, where meditation has been sort of pushed at you and mindfulness has been pushed at you, you may have more resistance in that area than in any other. So it may not be something that you're going to get consistent with anytime soon. And that's probably okay. Because you've probably probably have it in there anyway. The meditation thing, I think, as someone who's like always at a six in on the anxiety scale from one mm. to ten, um, I think it's really worth that kind of uh, let's say it hardcore discipline because I think I know how much better I do feel with just a little bit of meditation. I'm like, just remember how much better you do feel, right? But it's still not enough, and I think. I think if you try to, it's like working out, right? If you say the only valid form of exercise is jogging Mm -hmm. and you hate jogging, you're just not going to exercise, right? So, okay. Clearing your mind and finding some focus, you know, is, is helpful for you. If the type of meditations your family does is not something you're ever going to get yourself to do, or you can't in some way get yourself to do it in the foreseeable future. What about, I was watching this TikTok the other day. And this chick paints these mandala stones, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, like, there was a comment in her feed that said, how can, I couldn't never, I could never do this. I have, my anxiety is way too high to sit still for that long. And her response to it was like, that's why I do this is because this calms my anxiety. Yeah. So I do that with hiking. Like I get my, my mindfulness time often in hiking. I think like, oh, I'll listen to this audio book or this podcast. I do that. But sometimes I'm just like, I just want to walk and hear the forest and Mm -hmm. that happens actually a lot and it always surprises me when I like one hour later I'm like I have just been here with my thoughts in the forest and I'm always like wow have you really not been meditating then 
good point. Well, it depends. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you haven't been jogging. But have you been exercising? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I was going to say it depends because sometimes, um, you know, it's been a real fight with like inner critics and like uh, anxiety, like going over things over and over and over. So I think, you know, what is beneficial from the kind of meditation I was brought up with, which is where you actually sit still and you focus a lot on your breathing. Um, I think you can, you're very aware of like, I need to keep bringing my mind back, you know, but when I'm like hiking, it's, it's not as easy to keep bringing my mind back. Do you need to bring your mind back when you're hiking? It depends. I I think this is an interesting conversation and it's not directly related to today's topic, but I'd like to spend a minute here because I think this idea of structured meditation being only way to achieve this kind of stress relief and quiet in your mind is not really helpful for Mm. this exact reason. Yeah. Because if you can achieve that calm minded state by walking in the woods and listening to the forest, you're achieving that mental quiet. You're Mm. just not sitting still forcing yourself to do it. Like go get a plate of broccoli and tell yourself you have to eat it. How's that going to go? You could love broccoli. I love broccoli, so it's great. healthy for you. (laughs) Like, I want you to really like sit down in front of it and just be like, you have to eat it. You have to eat it now. Eat it now. It's the only good thing you're going to eat. Come on, eat it now. You you will immediately decide you don't want broccoli, right? So like, yeah, I think this, our culture particularly loves to tell you the right thing to do. And if you're not doing it, you suck, right? You suck because you're not doing that. Yeah. Like walking, like walking is super valid exercise. And I and most other people, I think, still have a lot of like, oh, well, you're never going to get really in shape if you walk and you're never really (laughs) going to be awesome if you walk. Oh, you only went for a walk today? That's not exercise. Oh, you went for a 20 minute walk. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's good that you're starting on your journey. Yeah, that's like my inner voice. <laughs> right. But where did that come from? I mean, like, and I, again, I can, I can speak to many other countries where walking is just part of your day. It's not necessarily structured exercise, but they don't do structured exercise either. And they're all pretty okay on the health spectrum. I mean, they have lots of other habits that are potentially non-ideal and damaging to their health, but it's not their movement. Movement's not a problem. And you don't see those same kind of lifestyle diseases in these places where walking is an everyday part of life. And I can tell you, like when I was walking 45, 50 minutes, two hours a day, because I had to get places, I didn't have any issues keeping off weight or feeling like I could run up a set of stairs if I needed to, or do any of those things because you're designed to do it. Mm -hmm. So the idea that it's not good is kind of a pet peeve of mine, which I think is obvious from how I just responded to that. But like, it's, it's interesting to pull out these responses and assumptions that we make about things that are good and things that are bad Mm -hmm. and challenge them because they're not fixed. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it was as as you make them. Sorry. Yeah. It was so mind boggling when I did go to France, I was looking around and I was (laughs) like, where are all the gems? Where there aren't gym. any. Chris, like all the gym. Five. It's like, <laughs> it's five. like 
It really, and then I was just looking at the people, and I know I was making these like assumptions about them by the way they looked, but I was like, these people don't look like they ever lift weights, and not like in a bad way. I wasn't like, oh my god, but um, like, huh? So you can like not lift weights, and oh, you're you're the outlier in well, at least when I lived there, you were the outlier if you did attempt to lift weights, right? Like mm. that's a very small section of the population there. So it's not that nobody, I would say, not nobody, but very few people in France view bodybuilding as a way to optimal health. I mean, okay. So immediately my brain is, well, I don't think a lot of bodybuilders really strive for optimum health. I think it's really a lot about aesthetic or if you're doing powerlifting performance and not optimum health, because you're giving up a lot of things that would be health like wellness giving in order to achieve those standards. So, but it it brings us right back around to what do we consider achievement worthy and is health an achievement worth pursuing? Because I think things are changing. What kind of health? Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. Like, and <laughs> God, okay, you poor thing. Okay, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I gotta say, I just have to like say this. I, you know, went into my husband's home office from my home office and I sat down in his chair and I was like, you know, I've worried so long about my, my physical health for so long. And especially with the pandemic, my mental health is absolutely in the garbage because I am so isolated. I don't think I can take this anymore. And I'm like, why am I preserving my physical health so hard when like, I'm grateful for, for the physical health I do have, but like mental health struggles, like it's, there's gotta be a balancing, you know? I think it's really damaging to the person as a whole when we try to separate mental and physical health. Oh God. Yeah. It's one body. Yeah. Right. And like I the think holistic it's... health movement thing. <laughs> I know unpopular opinion time, but like trying to say my mental health is poor, but my physical health is awesome or my physical health is poor, but mm. my mental health is great. I don't, I don't know that there's a place there's, on the spectrum where you're right. that's, that's optimum. Right. So you're it's, right. It's been like the idea of like the trying to protect, basically being like trying not to get a coronavirus is what I'm saying has really like my mental health is completely like in the gutter. Yeah. Because I'm just like, it's not worth it. Like, what if you go out to this one thing and then you get coronavirus and then you die or you give it to someone and then they die and like, it's not worth it. <laughs> it wasn't always. for a long time, but society as a, as a society, we, we made sort of a decision initially. Right. And so, and that yeah. can happen, right. We can make short term decisions that will be detrimental to either mental or physical health for the greater good of whatever achievement yeah. we want. And this is what professional athletes do. Yeah. Right? If and you, it's and super important and super good. It's been like, what, two years two later years. though. And I'm, I mean, just for me personally, I'm like still sitting here like, I'd really like to meet people, but they could have coronavirus. While I'm vaccinated and boosted, I'm still like, 
But what about like, what trade-offs are you making now? Right. Because it's this whole, we talked about this a long time ago too, but it's this, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And if you're not aware Mm -hmm. of what you're saying no to, you can be making some trade-offs you're not actually willing to make. And and you're not drawing Mm -hmm. boundaries. They're supporting your actual goals. Mm. So when you're saying no to social events, because you're saying yes to protecting people from coronavirus, is that trade-off valid anymore? Maybe it was, and that's cool. And it's good to do that when yeah. you feel like it's necessary, oh, but yeah. like you still get to change it when you need to, right? It's not fixed in stone. It's not permanent. Yeah. It's always None become a habit though, mm. like a way of thinking. And it's already a struggle for me because I do not like reaching out to people, even if I really need them. <laughs> I always <laughs> like, I just, I am uncomfortable reaching out to people. You know, I think the the biggest thing is like the whole rejection. Well, if I don't reach out to them, they can't reject me. Hmm. I mean, that's definitely a thing. I think a lot of people feel, especially now coming out of this time. And it's, I was actually in a, in a class today. And in one of the workshops, this came up, actually, this whole, I've become so used to not seeing people that I don't want to see people anymore. Hmm. And I recognize that that's not good but I also don't seem to know how to not do it. And it's just another mm. habit you've formed, right? Where it's, you use the same tools here to reverse yourself out of it as you do to change any other behavior, right? So what's a small step you could take? We worked for a little while on doing things like you went rock climbing and you were trying a new activity every week. It's uncomfortable as hell, right? But you were able to get yourself to do those things. Still super better about my rock climbing experience. Okay, but that's it's information, right? Like it, it's right back to that bike ride of mine. It's like I could be bitter about that bike ride and my brand new bike not working and decide biking's not for me. But the reality is, is like, okay, my equipment wasn't up to par. I'm going to fix my equipment and I'm going to go again. And here it was like, okay, that place sucked. There's another place. I'm going to go to that place because that's the thing I still want to do. Hmm. Just because I haven't found the thing doesn't mean there isn't a thing Yeah, that true. I can do. True. Um, yeah. So just to little tie it stuff, all I guess just like with the workout, like these little, like what's something I can do right now? I keep on perusing meetup.com. I keep on perusing. Why, why, why? I don't know how to meet people. I'm not my sister. My sister is like, I just met 20 people today. No problem. <laughs> We're all best friends now. And I'm just like, well, someone tried to say hi to me and I looked at them like, what's wrong with you? And they wandered away. <laughs> I I know that nobody else on this podcast like knows your sister. Other than, like I know your sister because I work with her too. And I love the absolute like complete opposites that you two are. It is so much fun. Like, (laughs) because I think what you said is like completely the truth, but also like I've seen you able to do an excellent job in social situations. So I think be careful of polarizing yourself and saying, this is, this is great. And what I'm doing is not great. Right. Like you can do it. When I talk with like strangers, I'm just like, (laughs) when can this experience be over? Until they're, until they're acquaintances, then I'm like, okay, now I'm happy to see you. So just for everyone who's listening, like, I think it's time to tell the story of how Liz and I actually met because it's through her sister. So, so I had met her sister at a party for, um, it was a going away party for a mutual friend. 
And I'd never, I'd never met Lula's sister, Teresha before, or her husband, Alan, his, yeah, her husband, Alan. That's right. I don't know pronouns anymore. Yeah. The world's a crazy place. So whatever the dude she's married to. And it, my husband and I ended up chatting with them. And uh, she, you know, my friend who we were visiting is also a trainer. So she had, she was primed to be discussing health and fitness at this party. And she just kept kind of bringing it up. And my friend Omid was like, well, you should really work with Chris. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not here for that. You know, it's like, this is a party. I'm not going to do that. She said, I'm going to come to one of your classes. And so <laughs> did you come to the class? No, no, that was how. Not until, not until I had already After met you. We met. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm old. Sometimes things get blurry in my brain, but like, I remember she never came to the class, but she called me up one day and she said, Hey, let's go out for lunch. And I was like, yeah, cool. Let's go get some lunch. That'd be fun. Right. Like I'd love to talk to you about some stuff and not health and fitness related, just fun things. Cause we had a lot in common. And so she was like, she organized the place. She's all oh, my sister's going to come. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, yay, new people. And okay, Trisha, if you're listening and I'm sure you're going to listen, Trisha and punctuality, they're acquaintances and they don't really care to be better friends. And that's totally fine. And so Liz and I both as Virgos arrive at this restaurant <laughs> before <laughs> Trisha <laughs> and Liz is seated at a table and I'm sitting in the thing and Trisha's not there and Trisha's not there. And I'm, I'm sure that this person at the table is who I'm supposed to be meeting. And I got sick of sitting on my own. So, cause I'd been there for like a hot minute. And so I went over and I was like, Hi. I'm Chris. I'm pretty sure you're Elizabeth and we're waiting for your sister. Right. And Liz's <laughs> face was abject terror. Like really? <laughs> really? Was it? it was. And I remember thinking I had the wrong person. I remember thinking, Oh shit. I have just walked up to the wrong table. Oh my God. Really? 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 God. And then I down, and then by the time your sister actually arrived, we were already like good friends and ready to hang out all the time. So it took all of like four minutes. God, I a- really need to work on my facial expressions with people. You you were like, and then you're like, oh, okay, you're a person that is supposed to talk to me, and then you were fine. But I think I think where I'm going with that story, which was long, I probably had like this knows. moment where I'm like, what did I do? What are you, are you <laughs> totally going to confront me? I hate confrontation. Are you going to confront me about something? You're at my table. Yeah. It was probably and something like that. Know, right? No, totally. <laughs> but yeah, but I think, I think your perception of, of what's going on in here and then your reality in the world that I have observed is totally different. You come off as totally personable within a minute in my opinion. And I, I have taken you to a very large fitness conference and dragged you around to talk to lots of people. So, cause I'm like your sister. <laughs> I know I'm always, I'm really like, God, I just, I want to talk to people. I want to talk to them, but, <laughs> but I also hate them. <laughs> I, like, I hate this. So like as soon as someone gets around me, like I'm like just doing my thing and someone comes like at all near me, I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> like I I really like I'm just like, I don't like you, I don't trust you. Who are you? You have bad intentions. I don't know. Just like I mean, we, the could, worst. we could play the backup and check your programming game again if you want to, but hey, you're a white female. <laughs> like I don't know why you might be a little bit concerned about people approaching you. It's like, it's like that's totally, totally social programming on top of whatever else experiences you've had. Right. Mm. So I don't know. Anyway, yeah. 
let's wrap let's wrap this up let's into wrap a nice it up. bow because yeah. I think everybody can tell that we haven't talked for a while because <laughs> we're just gonna go forever if we're not careful yeah uh, and probably good so um the point of today is that essentially if you're gonna start doing anything start with something you know you can sustain because the fear of doing it that way is that you'll never do more but the reality of doing it that way is that your motivation then kicks in to do more. It's the opposite of what you believe to be true, right? Because when you start from a place of like motivation and then kicking, when the motivation declines, kicking into the willpower mode, what happens is you're fighting with yourself. <clears throat> Even if it's something you really want, <laughs> you'll still end up fighting with yourself about the pace that you're attempting to do it. So, because you don't exist in a bubble, your environment is part of it. Your beliefs are part of it. You know, the choices that you make are all part of it. So respecting that and understanding that that's there and real is going to give you a lot more success than if you're, you know, trying to white knuckle it through. Yeah. So when you feel yourself white knuckling, it's time to pause, think about what's going on and adjust. Don't give up, adjust. Everyone should watch that channel for never lean for never lean. He does. He does a lot of reviewing. Yeah. A lot of he's British. He does a lot of reviewing of, uh, of people's like fitness channels on YouTube. And I always like, whenever he reviews someone I actually really like, and I think they're doing a pretty good job. I'm always like, I know what he's going to say. And every single time he's like, this person's really legit. I'm like, no, (laughs) yes. Guess I know things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But also pretty much any movement is good movement. I mean, except for hitting yourself in the face, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or any lifting movement. really inappropriately. Okay, there's a lot of movement that's not good movement. Never mind, forget I said that. <laughs> any movement that doesn't generate pain for you or pain for another person is probably good movement with the exception Bad of martial pain. arts when it's consensual Ooh. face punching and then it's okay oh. hey that's it for this week thanks for listening and i hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful they will be. They will be helpful. It's <laughs> what you take away from them. Wow. Well, right. The more you know. 